Greetings, sits and sieves. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep your ear on the guard. This is episode 65 and was recorded on March 27th and made available for download April 1st at guardfrequency.com. April 1st, April Fools! <laughs> I'm Elijah from Priority One Podcast. I'm Jace. You've heard me here before, but not usually. And I'm Cookie. So what do we have this week, Cookie? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, we bring you scientific proof that the grass is greener on the other side of the galaxy. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the Vanguard concept sale, and the latest news about the 1.1 patch. We're skipping this week's Nuggets for Nuggets to bring you an interview with CIG's Ben Lesnick. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. We've added a new feature to our website, GuardFrequency.com, a Patreon campaign button. We've got a variety of rewards and backer levels, but essentially, if you know how Kickstarter works, you're most of the way there. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to this show as much as we love making it. We thank the folks who have already chipped in, and we hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better the show we can make. And boy, do they need it. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Do you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation this is Elijah saying welcome everyone to the Squawk Box. It was bound to happen eventually. Scientists probing the cosmos with our very best instruments have located a planet, currently designated HD 904790b, that kicks Earth's ass in every possible way. To quote NASA lead researcher Lisa Shapiro, This is a thrilling and scientifically vital discovery that has substantially furthered our understanding of how much the Earth truly sucks. Scientists working with Dr. Shapiro began with basic comparisons, such as size, Earth is slightly smaller, to more precise differences like low solidity of its oceans. In addition, the planet has an extensive ring system and a dozen colorful and reflective moons. After further study, it looks like even the weather is better. The low angle axial tilt and nearly circular orbit gives HD 904790b a nearly constant surface temperature of 75 degrees and an average wind speed of 5 miles per hour. Astronomer Samantha Wilhelm stated that the world's discovery had taken a toll on the team's morale, potentially endangering future work in exoplanet charting. Finding such a perfect planet after only a few years of exoplanet research has significantly increased the chances of finding a planet even better than that of HD 904790b. Researchers have instead returned to studying planets they know are inferior to our own. Quote, I've even tried observing Neptune for a while in hopes that that gaseous sack of crap might make me feel better about being stuck on Earth. 
but it didn't work. I can't get HD 904790B out of my head. It's ruined the goddamn earth for me forever. Priority One Production Science Advisor and Visualization Scientist for NASA JPL, Dr. Robert Hurt, attempted to convey just how inferior our planet is to this new discovery. I tried to take the raw data and turn HD 904790B into an accessible but accurate vision of the planet for the public to see. But every time I started, I teared up at the sheer beauty of that heavenly sphere. And then I wept openly when I compared that Eden-like planet to the third-class dirtball I live on. Then I realized that even our fastest probes would take over 300,000 years to reach there. Well, when I regained consciousness, I was curled up and sobbing in my hallway closet. Read, see, or hear something that you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crap. Hey, uh, what the hell? Get out of our hangar. Hey, Scotty. Scotty is Tony. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing great. Did you get that bottle? Yeah, good. You didn't drink it yet. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Hey, listen, do me a favor. Uh, lock onto these uh, three signals over here and beam them the hell off of the hangar and onto the astute moniker. Yeah, yeah, the, the pirate consultant ship in orbit. Yeah, good. great, great, thanks. <clears throat> Our crowdfunding update for March 27, 2015, 76343000 up about 800000 bucks. Another 10,000 star citizens added to our ranks, up to 854000 And the UEE fleet has grown by hmm, another predictable 6,000 ships to 657000 Add some more vanguards in there, kids. Well, it wouldn't be a star citizen update if it weren't first time, would it? Well, last week saw the release of what one out of three Guard Frequency hosts are starting to refer to as Star Citizen 1.1 key, and last week, at about the same time, also saw the complete and utter meltdown of the multiplayer service. Since then, CRG have been working round the clock to try and fix the issue, and have been keeping us all up to date on the official forums. As of the time of this recording, the current state of multiplayer is the game servers are back up and CRG are working to increase capacity, Match not found errors are more common when there's less people online. And even when you find a match, you may experience the infinite loading screen bug. And if you do finally make it into the match, well, there's a possibility you could just be kicked back to the lobby with absolutely no explanation. Now, as we've said, CIG are working around the clock to get these issues fixed. And just one hour ago, they discovered what they're calling the major culprit in the matchmaking system. And are recommending to players that if you wish to attempt multiplayer, you avoid using the party system to join matches with friends for the time being. Hopefully, by the time you're listening to this broadcast on Wednesday, this will all be a thing of the past. Yeah, the rest of the show's been all fake and, you know, funny and haha and jokey, but we really do hope it's all better by the time you hear the show. Yeah. I mean, one of the good things, you know, yes, this is a, a massive failure, but I cannot think of a single game that has launched in the past, uh, let's go with 10 years, that has any sort of online capability that hasn't experienced issues like this on a launch. And the fact that this is an alpha stage, I think this is actually a good thing because by the time they've done at least, you know, however many phases they're going to have up until the actual release, they hopefully would have perfected it by the time the real Star Citizen 1.0 actually comes out. 
I can't say how thrilled I am to see them, you know, blow up constantly on these major updates. I mean, it actually it makes me super happy because they're pushing, right? You yeah. know, they're stretching the envelope, but whether it's data volume or number of players or number of matches they're trying to put together, I mean, they're pushing it hard and they're breaking things in the process. I can't tell you how thrilled I am to see this. Although I, I feel kind of somewhat conflicted because at the same time, this does actually mean that Jeff was right and that it's netcode that's going to be causing the issues. <laughs> so, you know, on one hand, yay, uh, they're fixing it. On the other hand, Jeff was right. And I don't know how I feel about this. It's natural to be conflicted. I I don't like to be right. No, I love being right. But uh, you, you love being you love being right as much as I love being right, and I love being right. But you know, in all honesty, you know, this is a confirmation of the fact that this is not the end product, and I hope the rage on the forums hasn't been too bad. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, there are some people that are, you know, a little bit peeved not getting the wreck and, you know, the free flight for the Gladius. Some people might be interrupted on that, you know. But, I mean, I think everybody gets it. It's a, a test vehicle. And, you know, don't plan your life around playing a game that's still in process. Right. So, you know, I think most people get it. Good. I'm glad. I think people are starting to level off on their angst quotient, I guess. Well, speaking of 1.1 and the REC system, it's actually been confirmed on the forums, and we will have a link in the show notes to where all this is, that at the moment the ratio of REC that is being earned is too high, and so they will actually be toning that down a bit. Uh, They haven't actually said to what they're going to be reducing it by, they've just simply confirmed that we are actually earning too much REC compared to what they intended. So um, the thing that they have said, though, is that they're not too worried because with the instability, uh, it means that people aren't (laughs) able to get in to earn the wreck at the higher rates so it kind of does all balance out in the end yeah and and, you know even and again the earn rate that they've established now even if it's they've they established it at one place that they intended to get people wreck at from what i understand the problem is that that rate is being greatly exceeded at this point and i will guarantee you that as they smooth out the multiplayer stuff they'll probably ratchet that earn rate even down farther because (laughs) as our back of the envelope calculations that we were running were that it was they were being pretty darn generous with the wreck even at the 10 to 1 uec ratio uh, it was pretty darn generous so i mean i expect them to throttle it back even more even after the server gets stabilized well yes like we were saying we hope that by the time you've listened to this broadcast on wednesday this will all be a thing of the past but if not hold out hope it is in alpha they are working around the clock to get it fixed and we hope to see you all in a multiplayer match soon Listener Nighthawk Zale sent us in some feedback. At Guard Freak, episode 64 was a great listen while preparing to see Gurmuk Basin at tonight's Making of Star Citizen presentation. Well, we couldn't let a potential roving reporter get away without providing us a full account, which Nighthawk happily provided to us. He says, We arrived early to the event just as the Nomon staff were setting up the registration table. Mine was the first name on the evening's visitor roster, and it was a nice feeling. As we waited for the doors to open, it quickly became apparent that most of the audience was comprised of students unfamiliar with Star Citizen, something I had not anticipated. Once we were allowed in, it did not take long for the venue to fill up, and I overheard staff say this is the first time in a while that they have had a packed location. My inner citizen cheered, and I gave my as-yet non-existent carrot crew the rest of the night off. The house lights dimmed, the projector was fired up, and the Imagine trailer began to play. I turned around to look at the silent crowd behind me and saw every face was captivated by what they saw. At its end, the trailer was met with awe and an avid round of applause when Forrest clarified that all the footage was captured in the CryEngine. 
From this point in the presentation, it became something very different from what we, the average citizen backer, are used to getting in RSI standard video drop. Forrest began with a short, this is who we are spiel, wherein they discussed the challenges of being an open developer from the standpoint of an artist and how communications and community are keys to the success. Gurmuk, an alumni of Nomon's 3D arts program, then talked about his transition from architecture to concept art. He reviewed all of his CIG work to date, which begins with and includes the Constellation Phoenix, Consolidated Outlands Mustang variants, all of them, the Anvil Aerospace Carrick, and now the Aegis Dynamics Vanguard. He discussed some of the inspiration that motivated his artwork and the techniques he commonly practices when designing. Little fun fact, Gurmuk and Elwin kitbashed the Vanguard concept in two days. The conversation grew more technical as the presentation continued with the four speakers discussing modeling techniques, shortcuts to answer the issue of CPUs limiting what they can do for the model textures, affecting vertex normals directly to aid with specularity, and cheating geometry, and so much more. This was supported by many of the visuals that we were already familiar with, but I was particularly excited when they brought up in-house forms used to standardize their stuff, such as the color charts, color settings, normal map settings, specular map settings, and diffusion settings. They basically said, this is how we achieve our photorealistic style. Please feel free to meet our standards. To a room full of art students. Brilliant. After the presentation ended at 9.30 Pacific, the crew stuck around to mingle with the attendees before heading back to the studio to continue working on the vanguards for today's concept sale. I, of course, took the opportunity to speak with each of them individually and have them sign my Drake Interplanetary Goliath mouse pad. It was a wonderful and informative evening, to be sure. Well, we want to thank Nighthawk for spending the time to put together that little report for us. We really appreciate it and uh, for being our eyes on the ground there at this exclusive little event. And I think this is one of the coolest things about the open development process that CIG is, is doing. You know, they can send their guys to a school and show to students, this is what we're doing. This is how we do it. Take this knowledge and put it into your own projects and you'll look as good as what we do now. Yeah, it's not very often that you'll find a AAA developer, which I think is kind of fair to call CRG at this point a AAA developer, that will go into the schools and do this sort of thing. I mean, with the trends that CRG are setting with the whole crowdfunding thing and just the sheer ambition of their game, you know, these are now not just sort of people working for an indie project. They are now going to be, you know, really big, well-known names in the industry. Yeah. I also think it's roughly analogous to, uh, well, when I worked at a bank in my early 20s, there was this uh, teller that was just, she was really an attractive young lady, and she had a, a very, very considerate and doting and charming husband. She was constantly getting flowers and candy and stuff to, like, deliver to her station at the bank and made all of us look really stupid when our wives heard about this kind of thing. So, like, all the other developers in town who are, you know, looking to hire these kind of art students they're going to be compared to what they saw at CIG. And they're like, are you guys doing cool stuff like CIG? And can we go around and talk to art, or, you know, our art students? And can we show off our stuff when we're working on it? They'll be like, no, you're under a solid NDA, and we'll expect you to be at your desk uh, seven days a week, uh, 12 hours a day. And uh, if you talk to anybody about what you're doing outside uh, the, the building, you're fired and probably sued. So I think it's going to basically change the industry, what they're doing. Yeah, well, I think it will, but I can't see it being a bad thing in the slightest. No. Oh, for heck no. Absolutely I mean, not. you know, having once been a child, um, to <laughs> my knowledge, uh, I, I don't know, I wasn't really there. 
you know, the careers day type events and yeah. the various speeches, you know, we never had anyone of this sort of caliber, this sort of industry in the slightest. And, you know, video games were a thing. It's just they were never invited to speak at schools and all that sort of thing. Right, but I mean, video games now, the advanced programming that goes into it and the sort of development process that they're doing at CIG, I mean, they're turning management on its head, they're turning project orientation on its head, they're turning, they're turning lots of things and making it up as they go. And I think a lot of people are excited about this way of development and uh, interested to be a part of it. And other companies are going to have a tough time competing if, they're, if more development houses go the way CIG is and be, are, are very open about what they're doing and inviting the community and, and prospective employees in at these early stages. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to go showing off your videos saying, here's what we did in the CryEngine, look how great we are to other video game companies, you know, because you expect that kind of rivalry. But sure. to say, here's what we can do in the CryEngine, look how great we are, and you can too. And you're kind of like undermining yeah. the the future <laughs> yeah. stars that might end up in your competitors before they've even got there. That's. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't that gorilla when they were planning it, but I'm sure that's no. going to happen. I agree. Well, speaking of the Vanguard, she's finally been released as a concept ship sale in all her glory. Now available to purchase for a limited time for only $250. Yes, that's only $250. But how does this deep space twin engine fighter compare to others of her class? Well, she's about one and a half Hornets long and two Hornets heavy, featuring 12 maneuvering thrusters compared with the Hornets 8. So far, the Vanguard comes out on top. The rest of the spec sheet is a little confusing because the ship is going to equip multiple engines and multiple shield hardpoints. So, Rather than try to convert shield numbers to vegetables and then multiply vegetables across engines, we're just going to say that I'm guessing that the specs are a work in progress, and we'll just let CIG work it out from there. So clearly the first thing that jumps into your head when you see this thing is the P-38 Lightning from World War II. I mean, the twin tails, the big engines up front. I mean, mm -hmm. they came right out and said it in uh, uh, Around the Verse when they had the interview with uh, the designers. But I think that they unwittingly did something else. They F-14'd it. It's got the swing wings. It's got the two big engines. It's a long-range, high-speed fighter that can be adapted to carry torpedoes or short-range missiles. It's got a cannon up front so it can sneak in close and do dogfighting. Whether a design or on an accident, they F-14'd this thing. And do you know what that means? I must own it. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with you that the price of the ship was not priced like a capital ship and, and more like a fighter. I get the impression, though, and I think it's there's, it's in the notes there, that it has more of the features of a larger ship, though. It does have some sort of a crew hold, living quarters type area, even if it's it, small and cramped. I, I saw uh, that, and, you know, I've been all through the ship and stuff, and I, I just yeah. don't, yeah, I uh, it's a pretty ship, and I would love to own it, but I'm not going to own it at that price. I'll earn it in-game. I've decided that it shall be mine, and it, it shall be mine prior to April 6th. How much was the Hornet when it was released, uh, specifically something along the lines of, like, the Super Hornet? I think the Super Hornet, the package was 155 or 165 like, Yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking, that this seems to be approximately $100 more than that was. And in terms of just raw money, and I know we're pledging to support a game, we're not pledging to get a ship, but ultimately they're using the ship to get us to support for the game, so in some ways we are getting a ship. Mm. I'm not really seeing $100 worth of difference in yeah. the specs. Yeah, which, shut up, I don't care. 
Shut up and take my money is, is where I'm really going with that. Yeah. Like I said, for all the uh, questions we had about its expense uh, and the, the price it had, uh, they've managed to trip pretty much every single one of my desire glands on this one. My uncle helped build the, the Northrop Grumman F-14 back in the late 60s and, and very early 70s, and so I have a special place in my heart for that airframe and its, its design and, and what it was supposed to do and the role it was supposed to play. And then unwittingly or on purpose, they built a ship that hits all of those points for me. And I'm like, well, okay, I must have it now. I must own it. But the problem yep. is the more I stare at it, the more I want it. So we clearly need to move on. We should move on. We should move on before Lennon has to convert some pounds to dollars and then start crying because the dollar's pretty strong these days. But now it's time for news we didn't use. Test drive the Gladius, old, but still capable of packing a punch, much like Jeff. Band spotlight community choice, first person shooters, schematics, fiction, poetry and pistols. Our community can do it all. The wonderful world of Star Citizen featuring Lego, props, and a $30,000 check. Data cache slash RTVD, A. Santos. Did Adriana defect or cover her tracks? We'll have to wait for the persistent universe to find out. Meet the CIG Devs, Episode 18. Dennis Daniel, IT Manager of CIG Austin, sushi lover and exploration enthusiast. Work in progress gallery of the Mustang. Watch the development of the ship that has been scientifically proven to be better than a Hornet. In swarms. Around the Verse, Episode 37 and 10 for the Chairman, Episode 57. Some nice nuggets of info. Be sure to check them out. So I wasn't here last week because I was in London and had to go to Buckingham Palace, bit of a clandestine mission, don't really want to talk about it, so we'll just ignore it like that. But I was really hoping to see something by now. Where the f*** is the first person shooter module? It was delayed till you got back from London. Oh. Yeah, so they, they pushed it back a week, but of course they had that, there was already another week pushback. Right. Uh, right there, so it's since it's your fault, that's basically what I'm saying. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. I think you have presented a, a strong case for that, Tony. I am willing to accept responsibility Good. for not providing a third. Wait a second. Did you just lawyer me? <laughs> I did. I did, did you just? You yes, son yes, of a... Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, I've been practicing a lot because instead of actually playing games this week, I actually had a, a hearing in my line of work, my particular kind of law, hearings in front of actual like boards and stuff are, are pretty rare. If you're doing your job right... It gets settled before it gets to that. Well, sometimes you try as hard as you can, and you still have to go do quasi-courtroom things, and sometimes it's lots of fun, and sometimes you have a great time doing it. Yeah, but you don't get any sleep, and you have to travel a lot. But that's what I did this week. Did you and win? So I'm, I'm building what I hope is a track record of taking completely hopeless causes and grinding them down to a stalemate. That's not a lose. So, that's a win. I, yeah, I'm hoping to build the rest of my career on this. The people call me when it's absolutely hopeless, and I say, hey, I can get it so where you don't actually lose. And, you know, then do it that way. That's, that's what I'm looking for. I was in London last week, um, but this week I actually got time to play some Star Citizen. And since 1.1 came out, I don't know how much you guys have played, but I think they've tweaked the ESP system a little yes. bit more because I, I'm just going to admit this on air. I was never that accurate before. 
Well, that's why you had to run into Jeff to kill him. Like I said, I was never that accurate before. <laughs> yes, I will get you back for that sometime, somewhere, <laughs> some, some coming out of the dark uh, asteroid, you know, shadow, uh, and, and uh, oh, there's Lennon. <laughs> well, yeah. they had, yeah, apparently they did a lot of several changes to not only the flight model itself, but also they've sort of been rebalancing like the center of mass of your ship and how maybe that's what it is actually. Kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, again, we're early in alpha and they're still learning how they want the ships to fly and learning how they don't want them to fly based off user feedback and, and you know multiple sessions of gameplay so I like flying it is now and every time they patch it I seem to like flying better so they seem to be really improving the user experience on the flight model every single time and it harkens back to Star Trek Online honestly for me They've always had really great space combat. That's always been really solid in Star Trek yeah. Online. They built everything else around having that really solid initial space combat experience. And I think Star Citizen is wise to follow that approach. Make it super fun and addictive to zoom around space and shoot at stuff. And then all the other things that come with the first-person universe will just follow from that. Well, I tell you, I've been always impressed by the progress. And, you know, the naysayers can naysay all they want, but this will be the best damn space him ever. And, and Jeff, I'm glad you say that because we got notes last week on our feedback about how whiny and complaining you and I are and all negative Nancy. Negative Nancy was the word used really? to describe you and I, sir. Really? Yes. I'm critical yes. because I want it to be so good. That's right. And that's the value of old people like us. We love it, but we're still going to be cranky about it. Right. And this week's community question, how many band cards are you going to purchase? Let us know by send us an email to squawkandguardfrequency.com or post in our show's thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. And now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, let's... Oh, guys, I think they've got a lock on us. Okay, it's time to talk to Ben Lesnick of CRG. identity with recognition codes immediately. I am a cipher, a cipher wrapped in an enigma smothered in secret sauce. Joining us this episode is none other than Cloud Imperium Games Community Manager Ben Lesnick. Now Ben, you're no stranger to Guard Frequency and most of our listeners probably already know you from around the verse, the RSI forums, and even your occasional visits to the Star Citizen subreddit. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you very much. It's great to be here. And it's a pleasure to meet you. Now, since we haven't spoken with you before ourselves, and we may have some listeners tonight who are not very familiar with Star Citizen, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your work on the project, perhaps a little bit of a day in the life. Well, I have one of the strangest jobs in the world. I, I got involved with Star Citizen very early on, back before we had any money or a company or any employees. So I helped Chris Roberts put together our crowdfunding campaign, did a lot of the early lore and things. So my job is half community stuff, kind of engaging our 800,000 backers, being everything alive until the game is finished. And I, I also do a lot of design work on the game, so I uh, literally build spaceships. So it's a great job. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that. So you wear multiple hats then. So not only do you manage the community, but you're also a designer of the ships as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do a little bit of everything. Wow. So for anyone living under a rock or who's just new to the show or who's learning about Star Citizen for the first time, what's your elevator pitch for the game? And what do you think are the most important things for a new potential citizen to know? This is, for the first time ever, a AAA game done by a community rather than a big publisher. 
our community has come together. They've put together, uh, as of today, $76 million to let Chris Roberts follow his vision. Chris was the guy who did Wing Commander Privateer Freelancer back in the day. And he, he eventually left the game industry when he saw that PC gaming was becoming Facebook games, all sorts of things he didn't want to make. He wanted to make big, bold games that were more expensive than anyone wanted to make that pushed the edges of technology in ways that he wasn't allowed to, with electronic arts or Microsoft wouldn't allow him to. So we're, we're basically saying, Chris, make the game you've always wanted to. And as for the game itself, it's the Star Wars fantasy. Every every kid, I think, grows up wanting to be Han Solo or Luke Skywalker. This is your opportunity to live in probably the most immersive science fiction universe constructed for a, a video game to date. It's a living, breathing world. We're trying to create a place that people want to inhabit. You know, we, we don't want to do just, a, oh, here you go here and you fight players. That's the whole thing. We want... We want space truckers and people starting corporations and all those interesting roles. So we're trying to give people all sorts of variety, kind of to live out that fantasy. Kind of like Sims for space? We're, we're very into the first person aspect. So it's it's not uh, like a god game where you control the world around you. It's you, you have a single character, just like any other MMO, and you lead this futuristic life. Whether that involves going out and hunting bounties for pirates, or if you're going to get rich as a merchant, or you're going to go off and fight aliens on the front lines during the military, we want to give you kind of all these standard tropes. And exploration is going to be big also, I should mention that. We pulled everyone and we found that they want to explore, so there's a big part of the game is going to be expanding our universe. At this point, the most interesting thing about Star Citizen is that we're letting everybody build it with us. Backers are part of the journey. So you're, you're literally seeing a game come together in a way that no one has before. We're releasing alpha builds to show off, you know, here's how our combat system works, here's how physics works, help us tweak it. If you start playing Star Citizen today, you're literally just playing a dogfighting simulator. It's the game within a game, which is just letting us perfect how you fly around. People are watching this come together. It's, it's a really interesting experience. Now, when you say that people like backers are actually a part of the development of the game, is this just through text feedback? Are you sharing code? Is it that kind of a approach to, to feedback from, from players that are involved in the dogfighting module? We don't share uh, directly code, but we do try to have a build of the game every other week or so at this point. So you're you're following where we're going. But yes, we are interacting through you know, through our forums, through the Reddit. Chris Roberts is basically everywhere watching what people are thinking and responding. Like our, our big trailer right now is the Imagine trailer, which was created by a backer. And we saw it and said, oh, you've done a better job capturing what we're thinking than we have. Why don't you help us cut the trailer? We do that in all sorts of aspects of the game. We had a kind of a reality show last year called The Next Great Starship, where we asked talented 3D artists to help us come up with the next starship for the game. We had a competition and the winners integrated into the game. And we've actually hired a couple of the people from the competition because we said, oh, these guys are so good at what they do. They're the equal of the staff here. We, we want them to be involved. To go a little further into this, I mean, clearly this is an MMO unlike any other MMO, just for the mere fact that it's it's so, it's crowdfunded, right? What can you tell us that is going to separate this game from existing players, you know, existing uh, members of the MMO market right now? Yeah, the, the idea is certainly that we go farther than a standard MMO. We're, we're simulating more of your life than you would in something like World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft seems like very PvP, combat-focused. Your goal is to level up. We don't have a leveling system, anything like that. You exist in our world, and you follow your fantasy in whatever direction you'd like. The MMO I'd most liken it to is Ultima Online, if anyone played that back in the day. Before the idea of an MMO gets streamlined into a very particular 
kind of cookie cutter sense, there was UO that had, you could log in and you could go take your friends out fishing and not have to fight anything. The idea of a living world is our big thing right now. Now, you've had a major content update bringing the game up to Star Citizen 1.1. What does this mean to existing and potential backers? Uh, 1.1, which hit last week, is the latest build of Arena Commander, which is our game within a game for learning uh, space combat. It also kicks off the next series of updates. We're going to be integrating our first-person shooter mode with 112 or one. One, two, I, I'm confused about the root numbers myself. But it's, it's basically, we're, we're in our precipice right now, and you're going to start seeing bigger chunks of the game up here. We also kind of say that at this point, Arena Commander is fun in and of itself. If you just want this visceral space combat action, and you're not worried about the character stuff, or the shooter element, or the commerce, or anything, you can pick up Arena Commander today, and it's it's a lot of fun. You don't have to spend extra for ships, or pledge for extra things you can for the you know, $35 package. So... With the new rec system then, someone like, say, Elijah, who has just that basic pledge pack, can earn credits to test fly other ships or different loadouts by playing multiplayer, whether it's PvE or PvP matches. That's correct. We got the rec system with 1.1. One of the criticisms we got was, I think a lot of our early backers understand that we create these extra ships that people can pledge for because people want to support the game. But with Arena Commander kind of releasing much more quickly than we'd originally intended, it was coming to a point where, oh, well, I'll just buy a better ship. That's not what we ever wanted to do. We, we didn't want to do that Facebook thing where, like, okay, you can play for five minutes and then pay to do more. So uh, we created Rec, which is just basically a way to earn credits in the game to unlock ships and weapons and so on. Yeah, I just blew that initial wreck that we got today, actually. <laughs> well, the great thing is there will be more because it's it's very easy system for us to say, okay, everybody have 10,000 wreck and you can go test whatever ship you want. Oh, that's true. Very true. I'm sorry. What What is the wreck system? Essentially, in-game credits before we have our economy. Okay. Uh, so an alternative to going to the RSI website and buying you know, a $200 spaceship. Now you can earn that spaceship in the game, even though we don't have the final world finished yet. Okay. So right now, Star Citizen 1.1 consists of Arena Commander's single and multiplayer racing, PvE dogfighting, PvP battles in multiple modes, plus the hangar. What's coming next? Oh, we've got a busy year ahead of us. In the very, very near future, we've got what we're calling Star Marine, which is our, our FPS module. A team in Denver called Elphonic has been putting together kind of all our first-person combat stuff, and it's getting thrown out to the public finally. And you're going to see that build, just like Arena Commander has over the past year. You'll see continuous iterative improvements to the part of the game without the ships. After that, there's what we're calling our social module, which is really kind of the beachhead into our building a world. You leave your hangar, you walk around the city, you interact with other players. And then you'll you'll see that getting bigger and bigger over the year. Uh, a little bit later down the line this year, we have the multi-crew ship module. Right now, to get, like in Star Wars, everybody's flying an X-Wing or an A-Wing. You know, we're adding the Falcon, so there's a ship you can walk around in during combat. You can crew with your buddies. Somebody can man the turret. Somebody can fly. Somebody can be the co-pilot. Maybe the engineer. That's going to be big because that's something that Chris never got to do with the old Wing Commander games. The technology just wasn't there to crew a ship with a person back in the 90s. And it's, it's going to be pretty exciting when that hits. And then by the end of the year, we also have the first chapter of Squadron 42, which is our single-player adventure. That's in the vein of the original Wing Commander, more of a linear story, but, you know, big-budget cutscenes. It's, it's kind of our military storyline. You, you follow that through you know, 50, 70 missions and have a single story. And we're, we're doing that parallel to our game. So the, the tech we do for Star Citizen is also necessary for Squadron 42, and uh, one of our studios in the UK is the one behind Squadron 42. Oh, and last but not least, we're hoping to put out the uh, universe 
alpha at the very end of the year. So was it always the intention for the game to have essentially two modes, a first-person shooter mode and then a space mode, a space piloting mode? No. Um, the original plan was not to release the modules like this. It was basically to do what every other Kickstarter has done and say, okay, thank you for the funding. We're going to go do this in silent and we'll come back with an awesome game for you. With kind of the fur of the Star Citizen community, Chris realized that, oh, we, we need to start sharing things with people earlier. So we created this in-universe fiction that was that, oh, these are games people play in the Star Citizen world. So if you, if you happen to have a computer in the Star Citizen world, you might play Arena Commander, which is a space combat game, or you might play Star Marine, which is the first-person shooter mode. In the, uh, the long-term scheme of things, Star Marine and Arena Commander aren't permanent. I mean, they'll, they'll always be there because we'll have done them, but it's the tech behind them that we then take and say, okay, now we have a game where you can be in your spaceship and you can get out, and then you're in the first-person shooter mode, walk somewhere else, fight something, get another spaceship. We're basically building parts that will form a whole. And the concept for including a first-person aspect started out as a stretch goal for boarding actions and such, right? We always had the idea for first person in the game. In fact, I remember I went, when I was a uh, 17 year old, I went to tour Chris's studio in uh, 1999. It was the day after the Wing Commander movie came out. I got invited to the premiere because I was a huge Wing Commander nerd. And I remember uh, I was there with Eric Peterson, who a uh, wingman, he's doing a Descent Kickstarter now, but he worked with us for the first year of Star Citizen. And he was showing me uh, Chris's game at the time, which was called Star Lancer. And he was saying, oh, what we want to do for Star Lancer 2 is let you walk around the larger ships. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Nobody had ever done that at the time. And now, 20 years on, it's finally happening. <laughs> uh, so that was definitely in Chris's mind very early on. So I have a question about the hide-and-seek part of the game, if I'm getting that right. There, there's hide-and-seek, right? Well, I'll be honest, I'm not sure what you mean. Like the bounty hunter and then the, the pirate? Oh, yeah, Is that, yeah. Isn't that kind of like hide-and-seek? Because I love hide-and-seek, and I try to get people to play it with me on Star Trek Online, but there's no incentive. There's no rewards, so that's kind of interesting. It's kind of scary at the same time, but can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I never thought of it like hide-and-seek, but you're right. It, it absolutely is. We kind of envision careers. We don't have a standard RPG, oh, I'm a fighter, I'm a mage, I'm whatever. It's, it's what you do is what you are. So if you want to go off into the lawless regions of space and start preying on transports and collecting their goods, you will become known as a pirate and uh, you will start to have bounties placed. Other players can say, okay, this guy has been hijacking my ship. He's been cutting into my profits. I'm going to pay, you know, 100,000 credits if you can kill or capture him. So that will inspire other players. So the individual players put out a bounty on another player. You'll have that option, and we'll also have the game. So the game will be monitoring and say, okay, this guy's been causing all sorts of trouble here. He's, he's breaking down commerce in our world. We're going to computer generate a bounty for him. So it's, it's a method of mission creation there. So then whoever catches him or finds him gets the bounty. Yep. That is so cool. It's interesting you mentioned hide and seek and Star Trek Online and not getting people to... Uh... Well, sometimes I do, just not very often. One of the things I always loved was coming up with stuff like that in games in the 90s. There was this quasi-MMO called Subspace. It was just a big arena game. I, I'm sure there's some technical term for it now, but it was top-down view of little spaceships you fly around. And my friends and I loved it. And then we got to a point where, okay, it's actually boring to play the game the way you're supposed to. Let's start having spaceship races. <laughs> and that's, that was actually in my mind early on in Star Citizen, is come up with a platform where we will be able to have players who invent ideas we never thought of, but they can still do them in our game. So, uh, you know, if you come up with something you could do with your spaceships in our physics engine, and you go off and do it with other players, we want to reward you. 
I did have another question about Star Marine. I've heard a little bit about a couple of the modes that are coming. Is there going to be any kind of a PvE mode for it, like the Vandal Swarm for Arena Commander? We're not going to have a PvE mode at launch, but very soon after. Gotcha. And I should, I should mention that you're going to be seeing more and more modes for both games as we go through the next year. Got an action-packed release schedule. It's, it's going to be pretty crazy. So, you know, I, I watch and I listen to Guard Frequency, and, and everybody is super hyped up about Star Citizen. The graphics alone are amazing. I actually had the opportunity of logging into Arena Commander, as Jace mentioned earlier, I have the starter pack. And it was a little intimidating at first, I won't lie. I also went in with a horrible teacher, uh, Shivery Bean. I'm going to call him out on this now. <laughs> it's like Shivery Bean, it was, it, it, somebody described it as I was telling them the story. It's like, oh yeah, it's like going to the gym with somebody who's like, you know, a gym head. It was it was like that kind of experience. He's like, yeah, just shoot. Oh, okay. That's, that's nice. So... <laughs> Anyway, I digress. You know, the game the game is beautiful and there's just so much hype around it and just the fact that it's it's crowdfunded is is just amazing. It just goes to show how excited people are for it. But when I look at it, I wonder, okay, so so when is the game going to come out? When is it going to be ready to ship? Can you comment at all much about that? The obvious hope is that it's never ready to ship, that we're constantly improving and building this universe. But there will be a point where we say, okay, here's where the, uh, the persistent universe is live. Everybody is starting their fictional lives in Star Citizen right now. I can't say when that will be, but it's sooner than people are thinking. I should also note, one thing that's coming to Arena Commander, it just missed 1-1. We're expecting it probably in either the next patch or one after that will be a tutorial mode, uh, specifically so that people can learn to fly their ships without having to rely on a friend who already knows about all the uh, more elaborate stuff that you don't have to think about at the start. Well, there you go, Elijah. <laughs> Perfect for you. That's great. That's the first I have actually heard about that, and I follow Star Citizen News fairly well, I thought. I think we've mentioned it a couple times. It's one of those features that I don't know how sexy it is to people who know Star Citizen, but it's going to be a big deal for others. I may have just not noticed. That's really awesome. Now, what what type of a system do players need to have to play this game? Well, that's one of the uh, favorite things about Star Citizen is Chris has always pushed the limits. I don't know if anyone played Wing Commander back in the day, but it was it was the first game to demand you had a 46. It was the first game to insist that you have a sound card, all sorts of crazy things. And it's the same here. We're, we're pushing the limits spec-wise. I stopped being able to understand computer specs myself around 2003. <laughs> we got to like Pentium 4. I was like, okay, this doesn't just make sense to me and this doesn't anymore. But uh, we do have the, site, the specs up on barbersbaseindustries.com. I'll jump in and say that it's definitely playable on a medium to high-end system, and that's with it being in an alpha stage that's not at all optimized. So it's not as bad. It's just if someone wants to play it in, like, 4K at 120 frames per second, they're going to need a beast of a machine. It looks beautiful when you do that. Oh, man. What kind of range of, like, tunes can you make? Is it just basically adult human? Uh, well, so far, we, do, we don't have our character customizer in, so everyone is a uh, bald man at the moment. But uh, we will have a full character customization. We'll start off with humans, and we have a couple different alien races in our lore that are important in various ways. And I, I, I definitely see that as down the road. Uh, oh, you could be also be a Banu or a Diane or something. Those are expansions. I think I would like to be like a child, a pirate child. <laughs> and I would like to rob people as that character. <laughs> It would be harder to kill, yeah. I would feel bad about that. <laughs> it's like one of those Soviet Russia jokes. 
baby takes candy from you. <laughs> On the other hand, nobody likes children in their science fiction. Yeah. Oh, that's true. It's perfect, then. You might end up being the Wesley effect. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, imagine how many people's fantasies it would be to gun down a young Anakin from Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> so, you mentioned lore. You know, where can people go to read about the history of Star Citizen and, you know, games past? I know you're not supposed to do this, but I would definitely advise the uh, fan wiki at the moment. We're building our internal system now, but it's not as good as the one our backers have come up with. So if you're interested in kind of the Star Citizen universe, which is shaping up to be a really interesting world, obviously we dream of it someday being up there with Star Wars, Star Trek, and so on, but they put a lot of thought into our world. Before our crowdfunding campaign, we did a 42-day uh, teaser campaign. Uh, Chris Roberts is back. Remember Chris Roberts? Check this out before we actually announced the game. And we did a uh, walkthrough in like these time capsules. So we, we started in 2015, news update, 2016, all the way up to the uh, 30th century when Star Citizen takes place, kind of to get people involved in our world. So uh, going back to looking at those posts is a big help too. We also put out lore uh, constantly. There's uh, at least two lore updates a week. We do serials in our uh, subscriber magazine. We're, we're constantly doing world building, which is a lot of fun. So before we wrap things up, is there anything that you're just burning to tell fans of the show, potential backers, or new citizens that we haven't covered so far today already? To fans of the show, obviously, thank you for supporting us so much. We don't do marketing in any traditional sense. We rely on our backers to spread the word. And in every conceivable way, it really is that our backers are making this game. They're making it possible. They're having an input into how we make it. And, you know, they are our advertising. So thank you. I, I, I will never be able to say thank you enough to the people who have funded Star Citizen to this level. As for new backers, if you're interested in seeing a game being created, if you're interested in something that has rough edges right now, but you're going to watch become something very cool, check us out. I know you'll see all sorts of stories about, oh, Star Citizen is so expensive, they charge you for this and this and this. That's not the case. The basic package is all you will ever need. Anything you can buy at the website, you will be able to earn in-game. I should stress that heavily. That was another thing, too, that I, I, as a outsider looking in, I was like, man, I feel like I have to have a lot of money to play this game. Yeah, that we, we definitely get that. I'm trying to figure out how we change that perception, because you, you do not need a lot of money to play Star Citizen. People are very into collecting ships, and it, it's it's supported the game to this point, but they are not necessary to play. And, and anything anyone has bought, you'll be able to find in our universe. You'll be able to play the game to earn. Or steal. Yes, yes, steal. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, Ben, I want to thank you, we all do, for spending some time with us here at Guard Frequency again and having a little bit of April Fool's fun with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. And I will say, um, if you are playing Star Citizen today, be sure and load up your hangar because there may be some other April Fool's events happening. <laughs> uh-huh. Very cool. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he once punched a man for not finding him a hot meal after 10 p.m. and that he don't need no stinking contract renewal. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he helped put together this week's feedback. So, at this point, we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages, and here's a reminder of what last week's community questions were for episode 214 of Priority One Podcast. What were your thoughts on the new pilot specialization update? Zobaraz writes on PriorityOnePodcast.com, I'm pretty excited about the pilot specialization. It includes tons of cool maneuvers that I can't wait to try out on ships. I was unsure of them at first, They seem more quality of life stuff than truly performance enhancing elements. 
But then the same goes for the extremely popular Tactical Team 1. Very modest buff to damage and shield auto balance. We can do it ourselves, but Tact Team does it slightly better. Same difference with pilot powers, I think. We can do piloting feats ourselves, but we'll do them a lot better with those powers. So, Tony, Lennon, Jeff, when was the last time you fired up Star Trek Online? Months ago. Yeah, it's been a couple months at least. Last night. Oh, so Lennon, you're, you're still actively playing. I wouldn't really say actively playing. I dip my toes in the water every now and then, um, mainly on the Romulan side of the fence because I've got green blood. <laughs> Is that why you're ginger? I didn't know gingers came that way. It's it's part of the whole being Romulan thing. It's having a lack of a soul. That's Copper uh, hair, copper-based yeah, blood. All right, okay, exactly. okay, makes sense now. Makes sense. Have you been playing with the specialization trees, Lennon? A little bit. I'm, I'm still a bit behind the leveling curve. I still haven't hit the maximum cap from when it went up with uh, the Delta Rising expansion, so I haven't really had that many specialization points to be able to pump into things but definitely been keeping on top of the news and yeah i really do like the look of the pilot specialization um again for the same reasons that zobra says it's got a load of cool stuff in it that i I really it's making me want to play and level up my character in order to get those points to be able to try it out tobias ltf posted on priority1podcast.com i think it is awesome that they are expanding the pilot specialization tree and adding more skills and maneuvers in addition to the changes to primary and secondary specializations. I only wish that the trees weren't laid out in such a way that forces me to spend these hard-earned spec points on certain skills I absolutely do not need, or want, to get to the one that I do. Keep the awesome content coming, P1 crew, and job well done on another fantastic episode. Thanks, Tobias. Much appreciated. Thank you for listening. Doc Dress commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com. Great show as usual, all. My comment relates to the continual progression of the new boffs tied to new ship packs. I feel like I'm being forced to buy something I do not want. New ship skins for something I would find very useful in-game. Make my space avatar my space avatar. Don't force me into something I do not like, please. So is he talking about buying a ship with like let's say piloting? It's it's these these bridge officers only come out with pilot ships and then he right, can't yeah. right. He's talking about the hybrid slots. You know, we don't know this yet, but I can almost guarantee that the summer event ship is gonna be a pilot ship. I mean, we've gotten a free ship for Intel, Command, and I think we're gonna get one for pilot. It just makes sense. You know, for the past ships that were high priced what do you think of them going back and retrofitting them with for free with at least one hybrid slot? Like those old ass ensign ships and seats, why don't like just make it a hybrid? Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, they never did this with the Universals, did they? They never went back and retrofitted. Once Universal was a thing, way back when, mm, they, it was cool to retrofit all the ships then, and they never did it then. So, honestly, I can't see them really doing that. But I'm kind of... Um, I know I'm not really a Priority One host, but hey, whatever, I've taken over now, huzzah. I'm kind of with Doc Drez on this. I'm not too sure if I like the precedent that it sets. Where It started out with the Intel ships, where you had to have an Intel ship in order to use the Intel boffs, and then obviously like the command and the pilot. And um, again, I'm not too sure that I like the way that this is going, the precedent that it's setting, that if you want to use skills X, you have to have ship Y. By the way, ship Y is going to cost you somewhere in the region of 30 bucks. Well, I think uh, that... 
the ships have always made the money in Star Trek Online and will always continue to make the money in Star Trek Online, but I think that if they're a good MMO, they need to set up their microtransaction structure so that there's a price point that everyone can hit at some point, whether it's a $5 upgrade to one of the Tier 1 ships or the $30 standalone Tier 6 ship. They need to hit those price points in the middle, too. Give people a Tier 2 and a Tier 3 and a Tier 4 and a Tier 5 that you can upgrade with ship modules or something to get those specialized seats. And that'll encourage people to have different ships. It'll encourage people to have different characters with the different ships on it. And and hopefully make those higher level things something that people can get into at the lower level, both price point and level wise. I was going to say I agree. I think just last week I was talking about, you know, it'd be nice if they monetize the mastery traits, right? Just sell that to me so I don't have to worry about buying the ship. Like you said, I think microtransactions are the way to go. But what about just instead also, I think the universal slot should probably fit and allow for these Intel and specialization buffs. Yeah, oh yeah. Definitely. Or change the name because they're not universal anymore. Yeah. I can tell you that's not going to happen. I know. Or restrict the universal, or call it something else. Make it not make the ones that only do the you know science, tactical, engineering. Call that something else, and then introduce new ships or introduce truly universal slots on on some ships. Just call it specialized. Specialized. Thank you, Jeff. There we go. You're welcome. Yeah. We're about solutions here. Specialist that's what we do. Yeah. That's what we do. We do. We do. We do. We do solutions here on this show. On both shows, really. That's what we do. Well, I obviously I have to I have to hop in once in a while so I can know what you're all talking about because I. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that when they introduce a new fleet holding, that will then again have a pathway where through energy credits people will be able to trade for fleet ship modules and get a hold of like a fleet intel ship or a fleet command ship or something like that but that is not something we've had since delta rising came out so it's a shame that they they are a little slow to these types of updates you know like this is something that i would have liked to have seen like they introduce it and it's like this introductory feature and then we then it just it gets developed i almost for something like this and and in the in the scope of this discussion this is one of those things that i kind of wish they I, i almost would have waited rather have waited for it for something that would have been more accessible to everybody instead of having to buy the pilot ship in order to have the pilot's traits. I would have liked a feature that would have allowed me to upgrade a ship, an existing ship to have a pilot or or something. And in response to our community question, asking about what changes did you like from the 1.1 key patch, the con artist writes in and says, As for 1.1, I'd say any update is a step forward, but not without its rough edges. This whole server mess is probably the worst, while getting the wreck system, Gladius, and the new damage system into the game are a great step forward. And Brian Headley says, I view 1.1 as a forward progress. I'm quite content waiting for the final product, but I'm enjoying my time in the sandbox while it lasts before my actions will have consequence. However, others are not so patient. I look forward to cutting their halls apart with my reclaimer in the near future. Ouch. I'm thirsty. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, like like we said earlier in the show, it's it's 1.1 is kind of a hot mess right now, but it means that they're pushing the envelope, and that's good. They're finding things that are going to break now before the game gets even more complex later on. So, Elijah, when was the last time you fired up uh, Star Citizen? Um, several weeks ago, um, and that was on a whim. And I talked about this with Ben Lesnick, so you just have to listen to the episode. Yes, I believe that the major feature of that uh, encounter was that Shiv beat up on you mercilessly. Well, no, it wasn't a PvP match. It was a PvE, but... That doesn't stop the Shiv. Um... I was. It doesn't stop shit. Yeah. yeah, no. I. It was like I was upside down the whole time, and it's space. 
So how you can't there's really no up and down, but I was upside down. So I don't know. I thought it was your normal position. I had it wrong the wrong gear. Parking brake on. Uh-huh. Okay. The trunk was open. <laughs> he broke the laws of physics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll come back come back when they get one point one fixed up. We'll get you we'll get you some flying lessons, so Elijah, you'll be in good shape. Okay. From Sean Newboy, we hear, Bob seems kind of creepy, like a candy in vans kind of creepy. Loved the show, everyone. Oh, he, he misspelled Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sean Newboy listens to you guys, too? Yeah. yeah. He's got taste and style, the Sean Newboy. He's our boy. He's our boy. He's ours. You can't have him. No, I'm saying he's our boy, like a Priority One Network boy, man. He's he's yeah. Oh, yeah. he's dedicated to, to Priority One. To the network. I've heard that Sean Newboy listens to us more than he listens to you. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't believe you went there, Lennon. You, you can't tell. <laughs> you, you're going to get people in trouble, Lennon. You, you know better. <laughs> That's why he does it. Zacius at Screwloose53184, he writes, I listened to episode 213 of P1 a few days ago, and it was great. Love the show. Smiley face. Thanks, Screwloose. Well, Cliffy Joel says, I'm going through the old episodes and just reached the dramatic reading of Star Wars by Shakespeare. When can we expect a reading of the whole series? Well, oh, that was classic. Oh, that yeah. was a classic one. We could, I could bring, I could bring the, I could bring it back out. We could do another one. We could, we could certainly do another one. I think we should invite our new friends here to come and join us for that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We can, oh, pass out the roles. More yeah. Roles. Oh, yeah. That's good. I could play a man. No, no, you have to be Princess Leah. <laughs> <laughs> Typecast. Sorry, you're the only girl. Can you do buns? <laughs> Elijah can play Chewbacca. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Lennon. spot the yes. actor amongst yes. us. Yes, and Lennon, Lennon, new sound bite right there. A new soundboard <laughs> button right there. That was good. That's button oh, four. That's yeah, button, button four. four. Yes, it is. <laughs> Tuvok at Species 8471 writes In regards to episode 210 Just wanted to thank you all for a great show Got me through a very difficult day That was actually a PM in game From Species so thank you very much man We appreciate you listening again every week Glad we can help Tim Simmons writes into us and says During episode 64 Tony mentioned that he also played Elite Dangerous Does Guard Frequency have a presence there also? Tony? Well, not officially, but yeah, you're, uh, Jeff's there. I'm there. Uh, our executive producer, Elliot Tan's there. Shiv wants That's to be That's why I there. sometimes refer to it as Elliot Tangerous. Elliot Tangerous, yes, he is, that is definitely uh, who he is. Uh, Shiv wants to be there, you know, but he's waiting for his birthday to roll around. What's Elite Dangerous? Elite Dangerous is Star Citizen Light, as another uh, fan of ours wrote in and feedback, which we couldn't read this week because we have too much feedback with the two shows, but... Uh, yeah, it's, it's Star Citizen Light. It's, it doesn't have all the social module type stuff or the planet side stuff. It's just you and your spaceship and laser guns and pew pew and trading. But it's a different game, different developer. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. it'll, it'll, still, it'll still set you back $60. It's, a, it's another reinvention of a classic game. Mm-hmm. Seek at Cathexis Zero. I love your podcast. Keep up the good work. We will. This week, our latest Patreons are Sitchin. And this week's winner of Guard Frequency Swag, courtesy of Random.org, is Akarok and Foxtrot DK. Expect the stickers in your mail before or after the FPS module is released. I like that. That's Chris Roberts timing. 
And a shout out to Stephen Humphrey and Arch, our two new Patreon subscribers, as well as Eric King and Brendan Malone. Thank you so very much for your support. And this week's Guard Frequency Community question, how many vanguards are you going to buy? Let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. And this week's Priority One podcast community question is, what do you think of the coming changes to the difficulty levels in the EQ system for Star Trek Online? Let us know in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO215 or in the official forum post for this episode on the Star Trek Online forums. So how was the show? Have we boldly gone where the other hosts have never gone before? Or should none of this have happened before and we should never let it happen again? So So say we all. Each week, both of our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the shows. Please keep them coming. Check out Guard Frequency's forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. And you can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can also subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Reach out to Priority One on facebook.com forward slash Priority One podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at StowPriority1. Or shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 65 of Guard Frequency. And episode 215 of Priority One Podcast. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And we'll be back with episode 66 on April the 7th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Admirals, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. With your support, we've already hit our monthly running costs, and we're so very grateful to all of our patrons. Don't forget, even if you can't offer financial support, sharing our show with your friends is another great way to show us that you care. Do you like what we do? Do you want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle, and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And now you can join our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day to join. And now the Priority One fleet will be hosting live stream giveaways every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific, hosted only by the Priority One fleet. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 8.30 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays at 2.30 a.m. GMT. And if you'd like to catch the live recordings of Priority One Podcasts episode, then you can tune in to PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live on Thursday nights at around 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We want to thank the teams at Priority One and Guard Frequency. Thanks to Priority One audio engineer Ben Churchill with support from audio assistants Admiral Winters and Frederick Redegard. And Guard Frequency assistant audio engineer Michael Duncan. Thanks to Priority One graphic artist Romulan Ale. And Guard Frequency artist Simon Chalton Edwards. And thanks to Priority One's QA support staffer Midnight Shadow 7. 
to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L, to the writer of our prelude dramas, Jake Morgan, to our video editor, Jerry Tillman, to Chris Trone, Priority One Social Media Manager. Thanks to Guard Frequencies Community Manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster. Thanks to the composer of Priority One theme music, Chris Watts. And thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music on Guard Frequency. Visit ronaldjenkies.com for more of his work. Thanks to Priority One syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. And of course, Guard Frequency's partner, The Bass. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. And if no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Time to 3300. Squawk 7700. Stay on the curve. Greetings, sits and sieves. You're tuned. Uh, what do we have? Science. Are you sure you can say that? God. On their show, I can. Okay. HD ninety forty seven ninety B. HD ninety four seven ninety B. That's a little different. <laughs> this is a thrilling and scientifically vital discovery that has substantially, <laughs> substantially. Okay. Okay. Here we go. All right. All right. Except the way it looks. And a bit for the blooper reel, you would always pay more for a decent-looking <laughs> Okay, look, give me your account information. I want to log in and steal some stuff. That's actually a good point. This is about the price of a constellation, isn't it? It is. Exactly. And I, mean, I paid 200 and... What did I... Well, wait. One... I can't remember what I paid for it. And I bought it uh, right when it came out. Well, didn't I buy it when it came out? This senior moment has been brought to you by... Yeah, Jim. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you say the phrase, do you know what I like? Because if you can add... <laughs> Just, you know, no real reason. Sure, what the hell? You know what I like? Yeah, I, I don't know where the other Washington is. Uh, you know... <clears throat> Sorry, my voice has just gone. Yay! <laughs> now you need a fruity honey bar. Oh, I do need a fruity honey bar. Okay, there we go. It's coming back. Just rub the throat. There we go. You know what I like? Hitler.